conversation around mental health is a conversation that frankly feels awkward and a lot of people just don't want to have. It's a conversation that's long overdue and it's a conversation that Never Give Up Radio has not been shy from having over the last year. On January 16th, head down to Yorktown Hall at Robert Morris University to be a guest of their second annual panel discussion that will feature several former NHL players and other mental health professionals to create a better conversation around mental health. The following day, the Robert Morris women's ice hockey team will take on Syracuse University in their second annual mental health awareness game featuring unique custom uniforms to again create a better conversation around mental health. Be sure to join us on January 16th and 17th for this amazing event that will help you not be silent and will help you create a better conversation around mental health. Never Give Up Radio is a proud sponsor of this event. Advertisement you just heard was for Never Give Up Radio. It's a uh, product spearheaded by the director of hockey operations for the Robert Morris Women's Club. And that is uh, Liam Cavanaugh and uh, a friend of his back in the Boston area, I believe, if I remember the the story correctly. And uh, Liam wanted to create an environment where people were able to talk about what they felt and without recourse and such and the, the stigma that surrounds mental health and I've had my personal issues in the past and it's something that's near and dear to my heart so I, I like to pr- promote and do whatever I can for the purpose of helping out the product and truthfully I'm excited I actually get to go to the one this year I have a uh, my regular job kept me from doing it last year and almost kept me from doing it this year. And luckily, my schedule changed for the better, and I will be able to make it on Thursday. So with that being said, I would hope to see a lot of people out at the Yorktown Hall at Robert Morris University on Thursday night, the 16th of January at 7 p.m. for a pan- panel discussion. Tyler Kennedy's on the panel and, you know, just talking a lot about me- the stigma around mental health in the Pittsburgh, I mean, sorry, in hockey, not just the Pittsburgh region, but in hockey. And it, it's something pretty big, so I hope to see everybody out there. But with that being said, welcome to the PhD Podcast. My name is Brian Mitchell. You can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. On Facebook, you find us at PGH Hockey Digest. On Twitter, PGH Hockey Digest. Instagram, PGH Hockey Digest. You found us on SoundCloud already. You're listening to us now. You can subscribe on iTunes if you haven't done already. We're available there. You can get the automatic download. If you really feel like it there, that is an option that's coming to you. Uh, We're going to start with something that's a little bit cool that I found out in the last couple days. And that this follow-through from the PIHL for the Girls Hockey League is actually going to go through... Um, my sources are telling me that they've had a really good discussion amongst players that are thinking about playing, um, filling teams right now. We don't know, I don't have the detail. I can't tell you for any certainty that it's 100% all going to go down like it's supposed to be, but uh, just some things that I thought would be really cool to happen. I mean, I'm an advocate, you know me, you've, you've seen the stuff that I've released, you know, talking about the, the PIHL tie-in for the girls going to play at Division Three teams, Division One teams, how it's worked out nicely for them, uh, tie-ins with the Penn's Elite and such. And then just the, the stories that we've had over the last couple years since I've been involved. I've been four years on Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, and I have been involved with the Robert Morris women's team for the last five. So something huge going on at 
you know, this time. And so they're working on growing the game currently. It's a big thing going on here at for the high school level. I am thoroughly excited. And a couple roles that they're, they're coming around. I, by what I've gathered, they're going to do this like an open division co-op. There's going to be associations hosting. I could be wrong. I've been wrong in the past. Things happen. I apologize if I'm wrong with my details, but unfortunately what I've been what I have here, any high school girl is eligible to play as long as they're enrolled in grades 9 to 12 during the 2019 academic school year. Uh, there's no play-up option, so you can't bring up any middle school players here. Each player get their stuff from that on during the thing. Uh, regular season games. We'll start with a kickoff event at the RMU Island Sports Center on May 9th of 2020 and conclude with the division championship game at the Lemieux Sports Complex on June 14th, 2020. Game form formats will follow the same high school rules and regulations as they have already. It goes down. You send your registration. You can find all of it on pihlhockey.com. So we're going to move right into the high school level. We're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Uh, usually give you the standings, the scores, all that fun stuff. I'm going to scrap that. We're going to go a little bit interesting here. I'm going to talk about my in-the-rink coverage. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on around in the last couple days and how everything's starting to fold into the league and things I've seen, things I haven't seen. And I'm going to start with this. Wide open opportunity for them. Putnam skating the other way. Draped all over. Putnam looking for number five. Gets number five. Kyler Putnam with his fifth goal of the contest. 13.46 remaining, and it is 8-0 North Allegheny. Hard press not to start the PIHL coverage with talking about the North Allegheny Tigers and what they are doing right now in AAA. It has been a really simple season for them. They're keeping the, uh, the game simple and working exactly to their game plan and doing what they can. And um, I'm going to start out with talking about a player that doesn't really get a lot of the recognition but is currently leading North Allegheny in goal scored, and that is Tyler Putnam. Tyler Putnam had a good second half of the season last year and came back to this season and has just absolutely been on fire. I believe he has 15 goals year on, here on this year. And... Five last night was something I haven't seen in a while, but we had it on Berg Hockey Live from our broadcast last evening. Looking up the stats now, and that should be close. Not it's He is currently in the top 10 in points with 21. 15 goals, 6 assists. That puts him good for third place in scoring, tied with Mark Lehman in goal scored. So right behind Rip and Rorick, 19 and 18, respectively. But just, it's the depth that they're putting on at North Allegheny. And I was watching that game last night. The only place that they're a little late right now is on defense. And it's, uh, it's something scary up there. And you're going to say, oh yeah, they're getting a lot of the, you know, the coverage and all their, you know, well, right now, what they're doing is crazy. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see going down the stretch how they continue what their how their progress goes. And I, I got to give it hands off to Mike Bagnato. Every time I see something that starts to, you know, look like it's going to be a, a 
cog in this machine, it would just be fixed. And that was, I watched Ken McMillan have their way with North Allegheny a couple weeks ago whenever we were on Berg Hockey Live. And we're going to go ahead and move along, but uh, something hats off to North Allegheny for clinching a playoff berth. Now they're going to go back after the Penguins Cup again, officially in as of last night's win. They needed a Mount Lebanon loss and the point or a Mount Lebanon win and two points to be able to make the postseason. And they were able to pull that off with the win with the single point. So congratulations to North Allegheny. Face off one by Wheeling Park back. Rocks to Britain. Kept in. Britain shoots through traffic. Scores! Britain shoots from the point, gets the goal. It's 5 4 the visitor in Wheeling Park. A big goal there by Britain for Wheeling Park as they defeated Fox Chapel 5 4 in a wild one at the Alpha Ice Complex. We thought that one was going to go higher and higher in the score. They opened up the floodgates in the beginning. I recapped it several times. You can find it on our Facebook page and eventually on berghockey.com whenever I put the website up later tonight. But it's definitely going to be a uh, it was a fun game to watch, and <laughs> I thought we had a lot of fun in there. You know, a lot of playoff implications in that game, too. The Northeast and single A is still wide open for between the three teams. Indiana leveled off after an early good start to the season. Fox Chapel coming out hot. Kiske was all along with Indiana, but now started to actually level off themselves. And it's a three-man race in the Northeast. And you look at it, and Fox Chapel had an opportunity to jump into first place over both an idol after a Kiske and an Indiana idol this week. And the, the option there was just thwarted. And we saw that a couple weeks ago with Kiske heading the to uh, Chartiers Valley and then dropping that contest in our radio-only broadcast on our Facebook page. Um, but you look at that Northeast, and now it's just wide open because Indiana and, and Fox Chapel each are within a point of each other, same amount of games played, and Kiski sitting behind both of them, two games in hand, and only down by two points on the lead. So it's going to be an interesting race in the Northeast. Uh, you, of course, you talk about the Northeast. The Northwest doesn't have any... Doubt about who's going to be in there at this point. You'd say, you could say North Catholic, and at this point, I could probably tell you that it's going to be Blackhawk. Beavers coming on a little bit late at the uh, in the run here, but Blackhawk opening up a pretty solid lead, almost taking Norwin out at Center Ice Arena this week, but it was uh, not meant to be. And then you you look at that single A Southeast, and really, it's just the same numbers, same players. You're looking at Bishop McCourt leading that one in the Southwest. It's Thomas Jefferson and South Park, and South Park leading the way right now, uh, actually after a, a off, but Thomas Jefferson having games in hand on the Eagles. So it's going to be a race to see who gets that top seed, who gets the home game, because the top seeds will all get home games, and the second seeds will all go on the road in that first round. So that's how important they are to everybody. That's a funny thing is, both those teams play at Ice Castle, so it doesn't matter who ends up first and second. It's just a matter of who gets to go to play North Catholic up at 66. So <laughs> just think about it this way. The Southeast, it's probably going to be played at, the winner's going to play at Ice Castle. Loser's going to play at, uh, at UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. 
and that's how we're looking on the playoff run. We can already say in mid-January that it looks like it's going to be those three teams in no matter what, and looks like it's going to be Blackhawk in the Northwest that's going to slide uh, into the postseason to play for the chance to go to the Penguin Cup and play the Eastern team that wins that conference. And at that time, we can't really say anything with what's going on in the Northeast. In the Southeast, Bishop McCourt's running the table right now again, doing what Bishop McCourt usually does, just winning games and winning games massively. So that's a big one, and uh, hats off. We're going to have a nice little race coming up here. Out here, shot on, but it wasn't a forward to get that goal. It was Trevor Kessler from the point. And it's 3-2 in favor of the Bulldogs. Power play goal by Jeff Kessler from the point. Meadville being able to beat uh, the Hemfield Spartans on Monday night in our first broadcast of the week. And that one was a big one for Meadville as they're moving away in the northwest from Mars to be able to make get their playoff berth going. And they move within a couple points of the North leading uh, squad out there as Quaker Valley dropped their matchup in regulation that evening. So they're within three points of the Quakers now with a game in hand. So it can be a one point deficit with having a split on them on the season. They of course played the Quakers early in the season and split at home and home series. So big series coming up for Meadville. able to make a rush towards possibly having to send somebody from the Southwest up to Meadville. And we're not even talking about that Southwest right now. It's an absolute mess. And the loser of that division, which is probably going to be one of Baldwin, West Allegheny, or Montour. I'm going to say that as if it's un unknown, but <laughs> let's just say that that, that division is going to go down to the last week to figure out who's going to take that and may require a playing game, which, by the way, wouldn't be the worst thing between those three squads. So we'll wait and see how that one plays out. But we're going to go back to Meadville, and you talk about them moving in and the damage that they caused to Hempfield's playoff chances because Penn Trafford, with a win over Plum, moved within tie of Hempfield on Wednesday night. So, I'm sorry, on Monday night, um, 14 points puts them in third now, and they're just behind Franklin Regional. And it's now starting to look interesting in that Southeast Division as the Spartans and Warriors are looking to make a run on the Panthers. The Panthers chasing the Wildcats, and everything's doing, going around in a circle here. You don't know what's going to happen. That Southeast is going to host a game from the, the North, what, Northeast, and that Northeast is also now contested because Plum is now being challenged by the Armstrong Riverhawks, who jumped out of nowhere, are now two points behind the Plum Mustangs with a game in hand. And it's it's all over the place. Six, seven, and one are the Plum Mustangs, and Armstrong, the Riverhawks, are five, seven, and one. They've got the game in hand, and let's see what they have against each other the remaining way. Uh, let's see what we got. Looking at Plum's schedule, Plum... Played Armstrong in the second game of the season, beat them 4-1. So they have no games left, but Armstrong defeated them 7-2 at the second in the beginning of the year. So Plum is now currently on a four-game skid after that, you know, that game against Moon that went a little awry. 
We won't go too far into it, but since that game, they have been one and six on the season. So that moon that moon game that they won up at Barrel that caused a lot of problems is starting to cause a little bit of an issue in in the standings for them, and they've gone on an absolute like a free fall. They lost to Pentrafford thirteen to three on Monday night, nine to two against Baldwin, nine to one against Mars, nine to two against Hemfield. 7-2 against Armstrong. It's been a rough stretch. But no, no, let's just say them giving up the goals hasn't been the issue because that has been a continuous thing at, that they've done throughout the season. You know, I see games at 9-7-2-6-0-6 before all that happened. So you look at that and, you know, kind of look at it and you wonder if Plum starts to lose that, you know, that little bit of traction that they had. Armstrong coming on hot and... They're looking at uh, a couple contests here, and let's see who they have. They have four, five games remaining on the season. Baldwin's coming up, so that's a tough one. Meadville, South Fayette, Mars, and Shaler. The Mars is battling to try to get the Mead the, the match up with Meadville to be able to get into that last playoff spot in the Northwest, but it's starting to slip there. South Fayette, unfortunately. The bad luck, the the bad luck loser in the uh, the southwest right, in the southeast, yeah, southwest right now, and of course, you know Shaler hasn't had a good seat, you know hasn't been a bad year for them, so you can pay attention to that one. Could be pretty easy for Armstrong to slide in after the fact. Meadville shown a little bit of a, a weakness when it comes to their depth, and Armstrong normally has a good week, has a good depth on their team. Um, Baldwin. It's gonna be an uphill battle if you're gonna go after the the, the nine and zero Highlanders right now. Um, it's just you look at that and it's just I don't know what to say about Baldwin right now. I have to go see them and see them live. I saw them a couple weeks ago against Hampton, but that didn't do them justice. And yeah, it's gonna be a stretch run to Beno um, Baldwin down the stretch. Let's look and see what they have, and that's looking at the main. So I'm looking at the wrong one again. So we'll run back in. Look at Baldwin. Baldwin is looking at a stretch run that includes... Their, they played only half of their games before the first half was over, which is normal. It looks like a stretch run is... They have a game against Moon on Thursday night at Barrel. I might drop into that if it's if I get out of this, if I get out of what I'm doing early enough. At Penn Trafford on Tuesday night... Hosting Armstrong and Greater Latrobe on 27th and 30th. February 3rd, they're at Quaker Valley. At home against West Allegheny on the 10th. On the road against Montour on the 17th. The two big games, and then they close out against South Fayette. So they have three division games to end the season. And it'll be interesting to find out how that one plays out for Baldwin. Um, obviously, there's quite a number of winnable games. But Thursday, January 30th. Wish I could make it down to Ice Castle. Greater Latrobe and Baldwin is going to be an absolute slobber knocker. So uh, I can't wait to see what happens. Um, with that being said, we're going to uh, congratulate the Ringgold Rams on qualifying for the postseason in Class B. There hasn't been a lot going on in Class B, so we're not going to delve a little bit into that this week. We're going to move right into bringing Matt Mamros in for our coverage of Everything going around, around the region. Matt Mamros on PhD. Now joined by Matt Mamros. Matty, how is the odometer looking on the car after last weekend? 
not 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 great. Not great. I think I'm, I think I'm at ninety two thousand miles on Yikes. the car. Yeah, like two summers two summers ago, I was at sixty k. Oh, that's, so. that's actually not bad. That's where I was. That's how much I'm usually putting on it. Um, so, so, so the car was it's a it's a 2012, um, and it has 92k on it. Okay, so that's not bad. That's not bad I'm at all. Like I just passed 80 on my 2015, so it's not bad at all. I guess I'm I guess I'm doing all right. Yeah, that, that includes uh, probably I don't know, maybe 16 or so trips to Ontario and back. So all right, so. Not bad. You've got a, uh, you said you have a little bit of news from Youngstown that we wanted to open up with today. What do you got for me? Yeah, I mean, anytime Team USA is in the building, you know, it's going to be exciting. Uh-huh. So, uh, I mean, they got, so they did a home and home, which I believe Team USA's rink is, uh, they just literally have it listed online as USA Hockey Arena, but I'm pretty sure it's Plymouth. It's either Pl- the one in Plymouth or the one in Ann Arbor, but, uh, the U18 and the U17 swap places on where they play, but they have two ranks up there. They blew Youngstown out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Nine to three. So that wasn't even a contest. Yikes. And on uh, for Saturday, coming back, Youngstown beat Team USA six to five in overtime in yeah. Youngstown. So that's, that's what we're going to talk about. USA opened the game in the first period. With a three to nothing lead, Youngstown put two up in the second. With Team USA also putting two up in the second, and then the third period, Youngstown scored three goals to tie it at five to five. Wow. And then Youngstown scored two minutes into overtime. Harvard commit Trevor Kuntar, and he also played for Team USA in the. Um, Whatever they just sent their U18s off to, he ended up playing for them and that as well as a substitute player. Yeah. Uh, he ended it in overtime. So that that was that was what happened in Youngstown and that that's a heck of a game. That that was awesome. Um, nice. I personally wasn't there. I was driving back from Rochester. Um, <laughs> I could probably which, uh, actually ask uh ask uh Larry about that. Because if you say that third period was their period, that was the man yeah, that made it happen. Uh, Yes, it was. I mean, they pulled Colin Purcell after the first, or they—I'm sorry—they pulled Dominic Bossy after the first, and uh, Colin Purcell came in and got the win. Nice, nice. So, what do we got? So that, so that puts uh, that put young that puts Youngstown in fifth place. So they're right. they're climbing out of the 500 pack uh, that they put themselves in. So they're behind Muskegon. Dubuque, the Team USA U17, and Chicago, which as many times as I've been to Youngstown, every time I go and see Chicago in that building, I've never seen Chicago lose. So I got gotcha. you. I need to change that. <laughs> but uh, this this weekend, they got Tri-City in for a series of games. Well, they're, and they, you might not want to say that. If they're going to listen in Youngstown, they might just stop you at the door, keep you from coming yeah, into the Cavelli is, Center. Which is fine, even though i got to get my rise pies in. Bam, score three or more games. You get a free pizza courtesy of Rise Pie. Oh, all right. Right. So yeah, I mean that, and that's that's relatively easy to hit. So yeah. they get they give out a lot of pizzas in there. The the one thing I've never seen ever given out in in Youngstown is uh, or I'm sorry, that's the Honing Valley, which is close to Youngstown. If a pitcher throws a immaculate inning, every fan gets a free hothead burrito. They have never given it out. 
Oh, jeez. In the entire, and I think if this is going on now for over a decade, they've never given out the hothead burrito. So, don't get your hopes up for that one. All right, we're talking a little baseball. We're getting closer though. Don't worry about that. We're getting closer to the ball. I mean, to the field it's, it's, it's hard to get excited about the Pirates. It's just it's well, just hard to get excited about the Pirates. We got a beautiful stadium. That's all I care about. So we move along, yeah. and you know Youngstown. Where are we going to go next? So so Friday I was in Rochester, New York, with the with the girls team. So yeah, you uh, invited me on that trip. Unfortunately, unable to go. Oh, you would have missed a wild one. That was <laughs> that was an interesting uh, commute to say the least. Well, talk. Yeah, girls, girls dropped it two to one on Friday. Came back and got the win six to four the second day. But uh, that Gene Paul Cini Center, now that that's their hockey rink. You got to see it. It's, it's, I have it's been there. It one. is gorgeous. It is, it is very nice. Um, all the the souvenirs and like condiments and, or not condiments, uh, concessions are fairly priced. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just there's not a bad place to sit in the seat. It just sucked that it was. Myself, Jafar, uh, of course, Justin Burrell tagging along to shoot the game. There was us two. And, yeah, you guys uh, made Mixer. the highlight reel. I remember seeing that. I was watching on Twitter. We and did Mia's, make the highlight Mia's. reel for banging the glass on <laughs> Courtney Coleman's goal. Yeah. Which was one of the that, – that is, I hope, a, a major flash of what it's become because I think she split three defenders and then ripped the top shelf. So that was, that was a major, major highlight there, and it was – that was awesome. Yeah, that was that was probably the coolest thing I saw in that building today. Um, other than uh, the first, the first goal, RIT knocked it out of Reagan's glove and put mm-hmm. it in the net. Even though they had blown the whistle and then they reversed it and gave her a goal, so I don't, I don't understand that one. But uh, the the second game, the uh, the Saturday game, much mm-hmm. much more exciting. Watched from the residence of our own Andrew Wisniewski. Uh, yeah, I watched that one at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Monroeville because I was getting ready to head down to the arena for the, the men's game. Uh, that game, yeah. let's talk about that game a little bit. Um, was a little concerned early the way they came out. I didn't think that they came out with as much, you know, spunk as they needed to. They needed to get a little bit underneath them, and I thought it took a little bit for them to get to the, you know, continue to give up the lead to Rochester a lot, but. Uh, what can you say about Kylie Hanslick right now? <laughs> uh, not not enough. Words what, can't describe whoever, what she's going to be. Whoever recruited her. It, it, I know Robert Morris is having a little bit of trouble right now financially. But and that's that's public information with what's going on. But, that they, is very public information. And, and here we got Pitt with their multi-billion dollar athletic billets coming. But, I do want to check that out. Though. But my point is that they deserve a raise for what they're, you know, what they found in Hanslick and Boyle and all this that's going on with those two. And these transfers coming in looking for a new opportunity, looking for a new home. And wow, that's all I can say is at this point between the two of them. Yeah, it, it, it's something special. It just, it just really is. And I mean, it's not just players coming to Robert Morris in the CHA right now. It's uh, it's players coming to other schools too. But I saw Bailey Coyne has transferred from Lind- or, uh, Northeastern to Lindenwood, and I believe mm-hmm. she scored two or three goals this weekend. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that one, but uh, it's 
there is a, a massive influx of talent coming into this conference for sure. Yeah, you saw that, and like I said, we discussed this a couple weeks ago about the uh, maybe it was last week. I'm I'm really tired, so but we talked about how you know we're looking at the north, you know, the University of North Dakota folding, reshaped CHA as we knew it, and you could look at these other teams, you know, these players coming in and being able to get their opportunities at uh, at you know, and I'll say it, smaller schools, schools that don't have the notoriety of a Clarkson or a Wisconsin or a North Dakota, you know. Those type of players that, you know, get to have their names as the top players in their teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, this this uh, second Robert Morris RIT game was a little bit of uh, the same as the first, different verse uh, in terms of the ebb and flow of the game. It just seems like they dominated possession the entire time. On Friday, they just couldn't get any to go home. And... Here on Saturday, they exploded for six goals, maintaining their their pacing of uh, what their offensive output has been up to this point. Really, I mean, it's it's still one of the top ten offenses in all of college hockey. So. Right, and that that's a nice thing to do. So um, we're gonna move along. We're gonna talk about this weekend. Um, it's actually gonna kick off a little bit earlier than normal. Thursday night, um, I mentioned it in our opening about the panel that is going to be take, going on at Yorktown Hall on the Robert Morris University campus. And it's the Never Give Up Radio-sponsored uh, Mental Health and the Stigma panel. And I, I'm excited I actually get to go for the first time since they've had it. This is headed by Liam Cavanaugh, uh, the Director of Hockey Operations for the Robert Morris Women's Club. And yeah, you can slap the promo video back in there for this. I already well. did. I already did. It opened up the show again. It says that's how important it is to me to have the you know the conversation. We just, we just leave it in there all year. Just, just. Well, year, I can't really year. leave that. I can cut. I can have him re-record another one. I think I'm going to have him re-record another one. I actually talked with Liam about possibly doing little you know piece, pieces on this show every once every once in a while. Maybe we'll go, we'll follow along with that, and we'll have a discussion on here. You know, he's having a hard time getting his podcast up and running. You know, with time wise and everything, maybe we can discuss with it and see if we can get him a little bit of time to you know get the message out. The message is a bit is a very important one too. And as we're saying, you know, it's this weekend. I mean, it's Thursday tomorrow as we're recording right now. It could be today if you're listening to this on Thursday, and to, at Yorktown Hall, and it's a big event where you're going to discuss mental health uh, on a panel and uh, Tyler Kennedy of the Penguins, former Penguin Tyler Kennedy, former Shark Tyler Kennedy is going to be on this panel discussing Oh, you forgot the Devils. He was also on the Devil. I didn't forget them. Don't worry about it. Um, I mean, they <laughs> no, he, him he runs, he runs camps all throughout Pittsburgh is what I know, but still, he's talking about how important it is you know, to you know, talk about everything that's going on and be able to, you know, how important it is to play. And they've got a bunch of stuff going on after the panel on Friday and Saturday. They host Syracuse, which is going to, by the way, a gigantic conference matchup this weekend on the island with Syracuse. This is for first place. Three-way tie with Syracuse and and Mercyhurst right now. they beat back out of each other every weekend. In the standings, (laughs) yes. Syracuse slaughterhouse. Mercyhurst on Friday. I mean, on Friday night. And then on Saturday, Mercyhurst oh, beat Syracuse. Saturday was the overtime game that they won in the last couple seconds of overtime. So, 
They 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 slaughtered each other over the weekend. Now they got now Syracuse has to come to Robert Morris. Robert Morris already has a split with Mercyhurst. Mercyhurst has a split with Syracuse, and now Robert Morris gets Syracuse now. So we get to you know see how this plays out. We have four games left with Syracuse first two this weekend, but it's an important weekend for other reasons, and that's the uh, it's the mental health game on Friday night. Yeah, it's also stay with the Colonials to so bring your shape. Yeah, I wasn't exactly trying to bury the uh, the mental health game with skate with the Colonials. I was going to mention that at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that was my that was my toss in there. But no, this is this is something that's really important for each and every single one of those players, and definitely Liam. This is not an event that was thrown together in five minutes. It takes months and months of planning, and it's it's truly something special. So I, I highly recommend it to anybody that wants to come out. There are special jerseys. Special jerseys. jerseys. Green and purple. Green and purple. They're very nice. And uh, if anybody's been following along on Instagram this week, there's been a lot of really just cool content that they have put up throughout the week with a very special message. So, absolutely, I highly recommend checking that out as well. Absolutely, and that's a spe- you know it's going to be a very important weekend for everybody involved when it comes to that. Uh, you know, and think about it. You also get an opportunity for a double header of. Uh, Colonial's pucks on Saturday, as yeah, the get, women host men and women. the men and women went. The men host Hurst, Mercyhurst in the final of the three games that they'll play against them in a six-day period or a five-day period. Yeah, that's, that's a and, wild rodeo, isn't it? Uh huh. That was from my favorite ride. I was just joking with Gary Heeman about driving up there to have it canceled. Um, but did uh, you drive up there yesterday? No, 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 no. I was broadcasting yesterday, Matt. I meant the on oh, Black okay. Friday when I drove up. And it was canceled. Yes, I remember. I Post was in uh, St. Lawrence on Black Friday. Yeah, I remember that day. I was talking to you the entire time on the way back. Um, yeah, it was about it was, that was about two and a half hours of a uh, unrecorded episode, but it was yeah, great. absolutely. It was a fun episode. It was a fun. It was it was the uh, it was part of our secret episode that we leave for Andrew Wisniewski. Um, yeah, he, uh, he he's looking forward to it. I can tell absolutely, you that. and he'll ha- he'll get that eventually. Um, so we move along, and you know, double header on Saturday. So. It's good. I hope to see everybody out at the island. It's a good cause. I don't ever advocate for anything without actually having a personal attachment to it. I'm not one that's just going to say, you need to do this because of this. It's it's a huge deal to me. So I hope to see everybody out at the island for this, you know, for Liam and all the, you know, the girls out there and for the message that's involved with it. So um, moving along, what do you have next for me, Matt? Let's, uh, let's talk scoring race real quick here and possible record oh, yeah. chasing because we are oh six yeah now. and this gets we, buried. we can't forget that because get, this, this, this gets is buried. entirely possibly happening this weekend uh-huh I mean I, I think that I guess it's really cool but uh Jay's also really close to leading the NCAA in the sense she's only uh doing math here five behind the NCAA leader and that's possible this weekend if they keep playing like they're playing um JC Gebhard is Closing in on a couple records, here's what he's referring to. Um, Brittany Howard's individual career points record is within the uh, crosshairs. Six points, Six points there. Not. The assists point, the, the NCAA assists for the uh, season is in her, in her grasp. And I'll tell you what, with the offensive firepower that they're putting out there right now, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the season? Boyle has been able to, has been a proven finisher on the power play, especially. Yeah, she still leads the team in goals with 14. 
And behind her is Emily Curlette and JC with 13. And we mentioned it at, at the... Uh, and I actually I actually mentioned this to her uh, her husband, but uh, Kirsten Welsh's record is within reach in Curlette's junior year of 34 career goals on the back end. And yeah. Curlette's and at I mean, 31, I believe, is where her number's at now. So... It's I'd have to double check you there. But I think I, she. I don't, I don't think she scored it. against RIT this weekend, and it was at thirty-one. All right, so her career goals is thirty-two. Okay, so she's two behind. And she, yeah, and she already has her personal best for points. She just by hit six. her personal best in half mid-season. So you're you're talking and about. I mean, she is currently the statistically best defenseman in the NCAA. Not I'm not surprised. You, you you get to see that. That is a a feat, and, and that's getting buried behind everything. I had to realize that like by looking at the statistics. Like that was one of those things that I had to look at. I was like, nobody's paying attention to defensive records, and you know nobody knew that t- two years ago we were talking about Michaela Lowater's record being broken by by Kirsten Welsh, and now Welsh's records being broken by Curlett, but. Then you look back two years ago. What were we talking about? Howard's record being broken by Vint. I mean, no, sorry, Vint's record being broken by Howard. And yeah. we're moving along, and you're seeing the synergy of the next year, the next year, next year. We were just ha- we went through that with the men's squad. You're getting better and better recruits coming through to where this program's starting to get, you know, gain that national respect, and you know, players internationally want to come here and play because they see that. And things that they can do, you know. We talked about this. I I was looking at this midway through her sophomore year, and the only statistic that jumped out to me for for Jay was her points per game, which was incredible. And I I, I want to say it actually is the school record at the moment. That fluctuates a lot. So I mean, it it might be, it might not be, because that again, it's stuff that is happening and will continue to happen. Yeah, and we're it's, moving. It's not but, a fair number. It's great. That's what you. But that's what you want to see. Is you know you don't want this unattainable oh, number that everybody can chase, but you you don't think it's realistic. Like Gretzky's, <laughs> what Gretzky did. I mean, I, I have a feeling Ovechkin might actually get there. As much as I hate to admit it, but he might actually get there. It depends how long he plays. You know, people were right saying right now that. that dude. That dude's like a racehorse. He's not backing that. Actually, racehorses have a relatively short lifespan, so we'll we'll ask that one. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if, I never you, had if a, you think about I it, never had a, 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 I never had somebody remit their comment there. Okay. Um, no, I agree with you on that. The uh, But at the same time, you look at those records, and you're like, well... Is it possible? You know, where are we at? How long before it's possible? Do we think this is going to be something that... And I knew the first season when she broke all of Welsh's uh, first-year records or freshman records that it was going to be something special as long as she continued on this pace. Because you you see a lot of those... There's a lot of players that come in and say, go out there and they light up the first year. Then they have such a down season that their records... Don't you know they can't get near the records because they can't play. They didn't play very well in their second or third years. Right, absolutely. And now you're looking at that, and she just built on it every year. She broke her single season record, her single season points record in game 22 or something, something ridiculous. So she's going to continue to build on that. 
And now you look at, you know, your secondary scoring starting to come in and you're getting all this, you know, you get, you get a transfer. And it, it's getting to the point where in the last couple seasons you're looking at a Paul Colantino-led squad where you're rolling three lines starting in around conference play. And he's not doing that yet. <laughs> he's he's allowing fourth, you know, he's that fourth line sees ice time. That fourth line yeah. gets to see opportunity to play and see what they can this do. This isn't one of the three lines, four defenseman teams anymore. This is this is real depth. Yeah, I mean, defense is a little bit. You know, you have questions on your your younger defensemen, but that's normal. That's normal for a freshman that's, defenseman that's on the women's every, side. That's it's, every team in the league. But when you have a top four. That looks like theirs right now. I mean, I have no problems with it. that. That's that's a that's a solid top four, and I would say solid top five at this point. If you look at what you yeah. got there, and you know, because Thompson and Rice are in their sophomore seasons, really solid defensemen on their own, and you know, the converted of Harley and Le Cavalier, good defensemen. <laughs> I'm not gonna fight that. And we're not even going to try to even try to quantify what Curlette's doing right now on both ends of the ice because as good as she is on the offensive side, she is equally, if not more, proficient on the defensive side. The side that you don't get to you actually see, you know, statistically, block shots is probably about what you can see with her. And if you looked up her block shots right now, you would be stunned. At how I mean, put the NCAA in block shots last year. Yeah. And so. it's entirely possible she does it again this year. Because I'm pretty sure she's got uh, at least um, four or five freight cards ahead of everybody else in terms of block shots right now. So Yeah, it's insane. And, yeah, these records are crazy. And you see these weekends, you know, you maybe had a down game from Kirk on on Friday, which I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I don't know how to quantify how that what happened on Friday with uh, the it was it was more of a, a fluke in the first period, locked it down in the second and third type of situation. But we and just, I mean, people get beat by bad bounces and bad beats. That's just that's just yep. hockey, right? And that's and that's great. And I, you know, and then you bring Desmet in on Saturday, and she plays well enough to get the the win. I mean, I saw a couple like you know, if he if he's there, but she she played well. So you look at one A one B or one two whatever you want to call it now. So you're starting to look at a team that is bringing depth into it, and the top th the top nine could be scary good up and down the lineup. And the and the, and the top nine at any at this point could be any of the the twelve or thirteen forwards they dress that, that day. And that's what I'm trying to say. Your top nine is your top six locked in, plus you're rotating your bottom six into that that third line. You know, mix and match. You like your matchups? We're going to change it here. We're going to throw her out here to play with this one and see what happens. I mean, I thought Diffendahl and Hanslick looked phenomenal together on Saturday. With Jay, yeah. With that was, JC. That was awesome. But JC, Boyle, and and uh, Templeman. You're forgetting Lexi. I, I, yeah. said, I said it before. You said I forgot it. Yeah. I didn't forget it. Sorry, and, I, got that, I got that quick wit. I know you do. But like yeah. uh, you know, you look at that, and we say that you you see how they play together, and now you're like, well, you can pop this player in anywhere in the lineup, this player anywhere in the lineup, this player anywhere in the lineup, this player plays well with this player, 
you know, it's it's really cool that you're able to do that on such a short notice. Absolutely. Um. So, which is, which is what they did from uh, Friday to Saturday. Saturday, you looked at the piece of paper and compared it to Friday, and it it wasn't even close to the same. I, I truthfully, that was the only reason that I I bought the feed was my morbid curiosity to see how these team how these lines work together. And I, I tweeted as such, and they actually, you know, and the, the Twitter handled me back, and I'm like, it must be crazy to be coaches. And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I just love this part. Unfortunately, it was after a loss. So it had to happen because of a loss, but this is something that I like to look forward to is seeing how all the pieces fit together. So, all right. So we're move, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to table the women's discussion till the next time we speak on the uh the podcast, so I'm going to need you to move along to whatever you had next. I apologize, but... <laughs> what is, whatever is next is the Johnstown Tomahawk. All right. Which, uh, very, very brief fanboy welcome to, of uh, Quentin Warmoth to the men's side. Another yep. uh, late addition to the men's roster. So now you got two just players joining. No training camp, no nothing. Right in the middle of the season, and they did not look out of place on Saturday at all. And I know you talked to Gary extensively about this earlier, so we're not going to beat a dead horse. But uh, there you go with the horse analogies off. again. I mean, I, now, I didn't now want did the horse Gary die because you beat it before? Did the horse die because of the uh, short lifespan that you're referring to? Uh, it, it could be a number of things. Okay, I, I, I <laughs> don't know. I just felt like I had to take that shot there. Keep going. <laughs> I mean, I don't eat horse meat, so that's not why it died, if that was what you are implying. No, I was just giving you a hard time because you made the horse analogy earlier than pulled it off. Hey, Secretary, it's a good movie, man. All yeah. right, keep going. Uh, so, so uh, I, I actually completely lost my train of thought. But, uh, <laughs> I get it. Yes, it happened. In second place, and uh, we have the new defenseman joining the men's squad, and I mean, they both, both Tyler Love and uh, Quentin Warmoth looked phenomenal against Murphy Earth on Tuesday. So we got we got two of the three games out of the way. We got the next two coming up here. Um, but yeah, Johnstown's in second place, Yolda, New Jersey. Um, which it, it was actually kind of funny because uh, if you go on the uh, NAHL website, it is it is very broken sometimes. It just mm-hmm. automatically orders all the stats from the 17-18 season, so I had to double-check and make sure I was looking at the right season here. But It uh, does do that. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed but, uh, that. Kristen Gorczak, uh, or Gorczak, still leading the NAHL in points, but he's now in a three-way tie with, um, we got a player from uh, the Minette, Minotaurs, I think is that their yep, team is? the Minotaurs. Uh, yeah my abbreviations in this league as well as I do in other leagues here. Um, and the Austin Bruins, they must be a brand new team. It's the Minotauros. Minotauros, okay. The Austin yeah. Bruins, I, I, I always love that because you got to remember the joke from Road Trip. Austin and Boston. So now you go ahead and throw your team as the Austin Bruins. And Austin Bruins, yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> and then we got the Brookings Blizzards getting renamed to St. Cloud. Um, yeah. I know Maine's a new team this year. Amateur hockey, you gotta love it. You absolutely and, gotta uh, love it. Everybody else, I'm pretty sure was here last year. So. New Mexico was <laughs> not. New Mexico, the Ice Wolves. Ice Dogs, okay, yeah. The Ice yeah, Desert Wolves. I've been trying to build my, in my puck collection just because 
Uh, it, it's hard. It's, yeah. it's hard to yeah. get pucks on these teams. Uh, yeah. But uh, the Johnstown looking strong here. Uh, let me see. Last, last weekend, they beat Jamestown twice, it looks like. Mm-hmm. I cannot get the score to learn for the Saturday game. But uh, this, this weekend, they got a series coming up with the Maryland Black Bears, which were a new team last year on the 17th and 18th. And the weekend after that, they got New Jersey Titans for first place. So it's going to be a wild be a good matchup there. Absolutely. And uh, where I was Sunday was Erie, PA, for Roger's mm-hmm. Cancer Weekend. And, of, of course, we got the – oh, you know what? He was back. He was back last weekend, so I don't have to mention Jamie Drysdale coming back. But uh, Erie climbed out of the basement. They, they they jumped the place. They're in seventh now. Like they got to get the fourth or fifth to get a playoff spot. But uh, they look they look phenomenal this weekend. Two wins. The first one coming uh, against Niagara, in which uh, I think his name is Kalen Sopel. Yeah, I I could double check that, but. Uh, Erie just traded five picks to Niagara to give him, and he scored the game-winning goal on the Friday game against or the Saturday game against Niagara. And Erie beat up on a, uh, a god-awful Sarnia Sting team on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They, they put up six goals. Um, everybody got their free Wendy's chili. It was a great day. Wendy's but, chili uh, is always good. Yeah, uh, I think it's five goals. It's free Wendy's chili. So anybody with those ticket stubs, you got free Wendy's chili. There's something that um, I was noting that uh, Aiden Campbell was named the 28th best goaltending prospect in North America in a last Central uh, scouting report for the yeah, 2020 he's draft. I think, he's, I think he's 15. He's either 15 or 16. He's 16. Uh, he was a saw who had been a junior at at Seneca Valley. And I think I think the Otters, when they go to high school up there, I think they go to. Uh, where James Conner go to high school? I think that's where they send them when they go up there, and they're still in high school. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and Jamie Drysdale, third overall skater, so that means he is projected third overall potentially in the NHL draft mm-hmm. this year. Hayden Fowler at sixty six, Austin Swankler at two hundred, and Brendan Hoffman at two seventeen. It's insane. You talk about that. I mean, Swankler of Norwin and Campbell of of uh, Seneca Valley, and that's it's crazy. To talk about all that, I mean, I didn't realize how big Aiden Campbell was until now. Oh, he's huge. Six five, one ninety two is what he's listed at in the central scouting on the season. Yeah, he's a lanky kid too, and he is honestly twice the size of Daniel Murphy, who was the the starter at the beginning of the year. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you look at those guys together, it's um, Mm -hmm. it's like looking at uh, Ben Bishop whenever he would stand next to uh, who's that other goalie was in Dallas. Uh, that they had before him. Ooh, that's a good uh, question. A tall kid. I, it, it, I know they had Leighton in, but they had him too. Yeah. But Ben Bishop just towered over him. And I, can't I can't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't Mike Smith, was it? No, he's he's not as tall. But I, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember him to save my life. Yeah, it, it, it's just a really great picture if, uh-huh. you, if you Google it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the, I mean, Erie's just got a lot of up-and-coming players. And, I mean, they made a trade at the deadline. So we are, we will see uh, the the guy the guy's name is uh, Kayan Sopa, and he's he's Swiss. That was gotcha. the guy that they traded for Niagara, and he scored the game winning goal on uh, 
Cancer Awareness Night in Erie. I see that, um, yeah. And Austin Swankler, I think, had the game winner on Sunday when I was there. I know he scored two goals, and Brennan Hoffman scored two goals. Mm-hmm. So that they were, I think, yeah, Swankler was the second star of the game, and Brennan Hoffman was the first star of the game. That is amazing, and you talk about a lot of that, and that's that's an amazing thing going on up there in Erie. Um, you know, maybe it's not working out in the uh, st- in the standings, but the, pr- the you know the players they're putting out there are insane right now, playing insane. Yeah, it's it's truly truly awesome stuff. And uh, Wheeling was inactive last weekend, but uh, this weekend, I mean, they're fifth in their division, showing all the uh, the people you know because it's just like the way that the ECHL is this year. You're playing. Mm-hmm. The same teams, Kalamazoo and all them. You're playing them like 16 times a year. It's just yeah, crazy the way they did the schedule this year. I'm not sure that that's going to stay that way next year because of what's happening this year. But uh, yeah, this weekend they play uh, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, Kalamazoo on Saturday and Indy Fuel on Sunday. It's a seven o'clock start and a six or five start. So we'll see if uh, Erie can continue to climb out of the, the gutter here, but uh, two guys just went up to Wilkes-Barre, both, both Browns, Christopher Brown and Cam Brown, mm-hmm. both went up to, uh, to Wilkes. So the team is still mostly intact, but uh, we will see what happens there over the weekend. All right. Thank you, everybody. That was Matt Mamros. I am Brian Mitchell. We're going to have Gary Heeman coming in momentarily. Stick with us on the PhD podcast. All right, we're back here. We're bringing Gary Heeman in, one of our men's beach beat writers on Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. Gary, how's everything going, buddy? Not bad. Can't complain. Great to have hockey back after a, a Christmas break that I'm um, hopefully saw the players get some time with their families and and you know get the get their minds right for the second half. Remember there are there are no rookies in the in the yeah. second half of the season. No more freshmen, so we're all a, a homogeneous bunch right now. This is the Robert Morris Colonials this year, so just uh, looking forward to get ready to to roll into some some really heated conference play coming up here down the the remaining weeks here as we roll towards the Atlantic Hockey Tournament. And it's good to have you back. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. I mean, you've been, you've been keeping pretty busy, so I don't I understand that and I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your schedule to work, to uh, come on with us and discuss it. Now, we're going to start out here with uh this last Saturday, Robert Morris uh hosted Penn State at PPG. First of all, what were your impressions of the game in its own? Well, I'll tell you, Mitch. I mean, it's um, you know, it was one of those deals where you know it all went right for one team very early on, and it created a hole. I mean, Penn State got a, they got fortunate early to um, get some opportunities, and they cashed in. I mean, you know, just on a very very early power play goal with 13 seconds into the contest, um, you know, and they were able to, to dig a, a four nothing hole for the colonials to try to climb back out of. Um, if you're looking at the game overall as a sum or, you know, some of its parts, you're looking at it and going, wow, that really looks like a, a Penn state complete and thorough clock cleaning of the colonials. It's not the case. Um, it simply isn't. Um, this was every bit a, a competitive game and, and saw the colonials amount um, a fairly good amount of offensive chances and shots on net. Um, I mean, just want to just take it back through a little bit of the, some of the, the things that had happened in the uh, the first half of the season um, with this group, um, which is you know it's still a work in progress as all hockey teams are, and especially in the NCAA, we've only got a select few amount of games, less than forty during the regular season. 
Um, the Colonials had been having some struggles with two things: one, converting scoring chances, number one, and you know, getting pucks to the net, and also limiting opponents' shots on net. Um, it had been not always a problem, but a lot of times a situation where the Colonials have been allowing 40 shots routinely or close to on a fairly consistent basis. I mean, they were getting out shot um, sometimes 10, 15 shots a game. Um, and we've what we've seen so far since we've been back in the second half has been not only had they closed that shot gap, but it actually been on top of it, especially in the last two games. And one of those games was Saturday night at the PBG Paints Arena as they actually put 44 pieces of rubber on net, um, some great saves. You could say the, the goaltender here for Penn State made um, some really big-time saves when he had to yes, to keep absolutely. the Colonials from rolling right back through it. Um, the Colonials got two goals back to make a, a 6-2 game. They climbed back into the contest. It was just a little bit too, you know, a little too little too late for them. You know, after that hole they dug with four first-period goals from the uh, Penn State Lions, Nitty Lions. But I have to say right now, when you think about it, and I look back, I'm almost drawing up a, a unique set of circumstances that are kind of paralleling another Penn State Robert Morris game where a, a Robert Morris team that had been having some, not doubts, but some concerns about its play went and lost against Penn State. I think it was like a seven to four score. And I can remember Derek Scully saying, you know what? We lost it, but we were the better team. You could almost make the argument that we had the exact – this was about one or two years ago, I believe. You could almost make the exact same case for this game on Saturday night where, sure, Penn State's up 6-2 on the scoreboard at the end of 60 minutes, but you almost felt like Robert Morris, and you think about it, really played a slightly better game. Yeah, they lost the, like the, approximately, what, the first 15, 10 or 15 minutes of that contest, then won the remainder of the game. And he said as such in his post-game press conference to Derek Schooley, and – Really, if you look at that game, if you were watching that game in person, you saw the tail of the tape after about the 15-minute mark of the first period. It was almost all Robert Morris, and you spoke of Peyton Jones. He played phenomenally in that game. Absolutely. He was the difference for sure. I mean, you know, if you, if you just – if you go back and press the restart button, that early penalty doesn't happen. They don't get behind one nothing. I truly believe Robert Morris is right in, a, in the middle of a tie or a win situation. We're talking about the number six team in the league that they were facing, too. So, I mean, they've always played very well up to their opponents. That has been a yes. trademark of Robert Morris over the last couple seasons. You've seen it in the Three Rivers Classic against some of the top teams. They played phenomenal hockey against them. Um, now you look at that, and you're seeing the scoring coming from different places than, than yesteryear. You know, you're having a down year for Luke Lynch right now. You're not getting a lot of your production out of Nick Perkusic. Matt Nudo's coming back from an injury now, so you're big. You're big, getting healthy now. You get that goal from Grant Bear in the game, and then you look at it. You're like, you're starting to get different areas getting goals. You get Adamo back on the score sheet. You get all that. Then you move into Mercyhurst, and we'll talk about that in a second because they did play a rare Tuesday game for the makeup game from Black Friday, but. You get yes. these guys back on the score sheet, and it just seems like things are starting to roll for Robert Morris in that facet. I, I think so. I think uh, it's it's not anything. It's not a switch that's going to completely flip on. It's like oh my god, 
oh my God, we're looking at five goals a game the rest of the way. This is great. And it's all going to fill in for them. I think progressively it just gets better. And I think the, the healthier they get, the more you realize that, yeah, when they were all healthy together at the same time, which has been rare. And, and plus they've had some defensive elements that have been out of the lineup too. That They've had to, to go to the cupboard and reach in and get some freshmen that were planning on maybe coming next year. <laughs> they had to go ahead and grab them early. Um, you throw that in the mix too. And you're like, when they're all together, they're a fairly deep team with some youth that could make them even deeper as they get more experienced in the second half. But what they needed was some, uh, the sparks up front. Um, you know, clearly Justin Adamo is one of those that they needed to be con- contributing more this season. I think even Justin and Derek Scalia both tell you that they expected a bit more production out of him. It's not to say that Justin isn't skating hard. He's skating hard. It's not to say that he's not paying attention to details. He is. It's just it's not going in for him right now. Same could be said for Luke Lynch. Excuse me. And they both have goals in the last, you know, either one has a goal in the last two games. So those are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, signs that are that are pointing north uh, for the Colonials in their offensive attack. Plus, you're getting you know, you're getting some scoring, though, from, you know, the folks like Jake Coleman, who's had amazing six goals this year. Yeah, that's, um, that's a guy is, you don't look at. Yeah, that's a guy you exactly. don't look at whenever you're thinking of scores for Robert Morris. He's always been an energy guy, always a grinder, third, fourth liner. Now getting this opportunity in his senior year. And he's he's earning every bit of it. He's doing a great job in that facet of the Robert Morris game, and that's a good thing for the the Moon Native, the show, in his final year at the collegiate level. Absolutely, I refer to himself, and you mentioned Daniel Mantenuto before. Uh, players like Jacob Coleman and Daniel Mantenuto, those are you know, I, I don't want to call them heartbeats of the team, but they're a big part of the spirit of the team. Um, mm-hmm. When you talk about players that can that will battle greater than their size indicates, that will come up with clutch goals when you least expect it. We've seen Dan Mantenuto have a knack for putting that puck in the net when you know you absolutely had to have a goal and your top line was being matched up by the opponent, you know, stride for stride. Bing, you know, here comes Daniel Mantenuto with a tip in and bing, you know, you're back on the board and back in shape, either tied or in the lead. Dan's got a knack for that. Jacob Coleman can light the team up in terms of his what his spirit brings. I mean, when you see Jake out there throwing his body around, giving hits, getting in the corners, and then getting rewarded um, with good production and goals, the whole bench lights up. And you see Jacob Coleman go out there and score a goal, everybody's rooting for him. He's that kind of player, and that does lift the bench. So they've got the pieces together that could uh, reasonably accomplish anything in the second half. Number one, they're going to have to stay healthy. Number two, they're going to have to continue with the goal-scoring progress. That's the one thing that we can say about their season up to this point, Mitch, is just that they haven't always taken advantage of those opportunities, and they they had to start getting to the back of the net. If that can pick up, I think the, you know, the goaltending with Justin Capelmaster keeps him in every single game. Yeah, you talk about that. We'll talk about that defense here for a second. You're bringing in two guys from Johnstown and Tyler Love and Quinn Warmuth, and you know these guys. You know they had a combined going out of the game on Tuesday night. A combined five games of collegiate experience playing in the top yep. six in in that game against Penn State. And you you bring those in, then you have a McCallion who's in his second season. Giles and Robert have been stalwarts for the last four years on his on on Schoolie's blue line, so they understand it. And then you have Nolan Schaefer who's also in his second year. So you're bringing those guys in. You add in Jenny who's you know, you speak of the injuries, it's just been bad luck for him so far this season. But you look around and it's going to be a good core going forward for Robert Morris if you're if you're looking at their defensive core and what you're going to get. Because Love has impressed in his, in his four games so far. And 
I would also say the same as what I saw from Wormuth looks like he's going to fit in well. But looking on a side, players like Stanell and Lawson, who had really good freshman years and in the first part of this season have been pretty good for both of them. Unfortunately, injuries felled them. So yes. it'll be a good defensive core going forward for Robert Morris. Uh, oh, for up. sure. And, and a deep one, too. You know, talk yeah. about four pairs. I mean, you you're, you got two scratches every single night wearing suits on the, the top of the staircase that, you know, could be in a lot of teams lineup. That's yeah. a great problem. That's a great problem to have. Um, you know, I, you, you look at the two new pieces in Love and Warmoth. You know, it's you'd think that's a, it, uh, playing defense sometimes is a harder transition once in a while because you've, you've got to get used to a, a brand new system and a brand new breakout and, and tendencies with brand new forwards that you haven't really seen much of before a lot of them. You know, so you think that's going to be a hard transition to just turn on, just to get out of juniors, get into NCAA competition and be able to to be a good fit to make the right play. But I think, you know what, that's all they need to do at this point is to make the right play and do the right thing. That doesn't take a lot of, of you know, getting to know your teammates. It just takes, you know, it just takes the awareness that got you to Rob Morris in the first place and made you appealing to Derek Scully to sign you. Um, if they keep on doing those things, making safe plays, getting the puck out, um, being smart, not taking penalties, um, you know, making a good first pass, and not a risky first pass, you know, doing small things like that and chipping in on special teams when they're called for, you know, they could truly be a big part of the defensive mix in the second half until those players get better. And then who knows, maybe even mixing it up in the lineup as the playoffs go, you know, come near and, and are upon us. Okay, so they headed to Erie on Saturday. I'm, I'm sorry, on Tuesday night. I keep thinking it's a weekend for this game. This is the remake, uh, the, the makeup date for the Black Friday game that I traveled up mm-hmm. to Erie to cover that didn't happen. And <laughs> I always have a yeah, fun time with that. Yeah, that was that was that was. Let's let's forget that night happened. That was a bad well, night. This for is all of this all. is the makeup <laughs> night for that. I completely forgot that the game was played last night. I was broadcasting and I was able to catch it up. But they uh, they tied Mercyhurst two two at the island last time they faced them. Now, they won in overtime actually. And then they won in overtime, but on the records, it's technically it, it's a tie. But I agree true, with you. But true, it, for the Atlantic hockey, they got the additional point. Yes. Um, so you look at that, then you move into the this game on Tuesday night. They head into up to Erie, which they're going to have to go back on Friday to begin with, and they take a 4-1 victory out of Mercyhurst. Is that a little bit of the carryover from Saturday night's game, you think? I think some of that. I think there was some confidence instilled in some of that. Yeah, it's a uh, credit to Coach Schooley and you know his coaching staff with Ryan Carruthers, of course, and, and everybody involved there. I mean, that's that's taking a, a group of, you know, 20 plus athletes and saying, look, I mean, that scored reads six to two, but don't buy a word of it. You were a lot better than six to two. Don't hang your head, you know, keep looking ahead. And, you know, the results are going to come to you. You know I mean? It's, it takes a special coach and a special coaching staff to, to keep your players into keeping buying in this time of year. Um, and I think that they, they know how to do that and have proven what the, with the amount of appearances consecutively now that they've made in the, the Atlantic Hockey um, semifinals and championships over the years, um, you know that they, they know how to keep a team together and keep them competitive for the entire season into the playoffs. Um, you know that's one thing that a lot of schools probably wish they they would have had. I can remember back before Ram Pecknold got really great at Quinnipiac, he used to watch teams fall apart that were like ranked in the top ten. You know, and you know took a nosedive in the second half for a couple of years in a row before they started making, you know, going deep into NCAA tournaments. 
Um, I, the complete opposite for Derek Schooley and, and his staff. I mean, they've, they've always kept the, the product rising, so to speak, throughout the second half and into the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I, to answer your question, I think, yeah, there is a bit of carryover, and I would expect that one to, to continue, too. I think, um, you know, everybody, everybody keeps a positive attitude. You know, nobody gets too down with the losses. You know, it, the focus is more on how you're playing and not always the results, because if you focus on how you're playing, of course, the results are going to come one way or another. All right, after that victory over Mercyhurst, they're sitting currently tied for third place in Atlantic Hockey with AIC. Of course, Mercyhurst right now not having a good season when it comes to the conference to 11 and one. However, how important are these two games this weekend when it, when you're looking at those standings and possibly getting that bye weekend? Right, they're huge. I mean, if you think about it, they could take six points, and make nine points out of three games happen. Um, I think that they will definitely be, um, you know, points that you if you're gonna talk and look about home ice for the coming playoffs. I think those are going to be two games that they're going to be, you know, every point is huge right now, but this is a time when you, you've kind of got an opponent that, you know, you, you know how to, to deal with, you know how to beat. It's just a, a question of making sure that you're going to be able to handle that punch. They're going to give you a punch come Friday night. They were taken down four to one Tuesday night and they're hurting a little bit. They want some points. They're hungry. Um, it's rare that we see Mercyhurst this low this late in the season in the standings. They're going to come out in front of their home crowd, and they're going to throw a punch Friday night. Now, this group of Colonials is going to have to you know, come out with their best hockey, not only to, to throw the game at them, but maybe to take a little bit of energy early on in that game and not do anything stupid and don't give up the early goals and keep playing level until – Mercyhurst kind of runs out of energy and can, you know, they can't swing the arms as, as hard as they were in the first period. And then, then you got a goal, then you got two goals and you got three goals and so on and so forth. I think that's probably the approach that they'll need to take. If they're going to have success, I think it'd be go up there ready to take a punch and, you know, be resilient. All right. Thank you for coming on, Gary. Uh, hope to talk to you next week. Hope everything works out. I'll see, uh, see you hopefully this, this weekend. Will I see you down at the Island? Um, hopefully, I'm uh, looking to get a situation at the um, full-time job squared away, but we'll um, we'll definitely see if we can make that happen. All right, that was Gary Heeman. I'm Brian Mitchell. We'll be back on the PhD podcast. I'd like to thank my guests Matt Mamros and Gary Heeman coming on with us this evening to talk with the PhD podcast. I am Brian Mitchell. You're going to find me on Monday at Mount Lebanon Ice Center as the Greensburg Salem Golden Lions head to Chartiers Valley for a matchup with the Colts. Big matchup from the outside of the playoffs for both teams. Chartiers Valley on a tear. Greensburg-Salem having themselves a year this year after a down, couple down seasons. So it'll be a big detail for the Chartiers Valley Colts and Greensburg-Salem Golden Wines to get in. Uh, Chartiers Valley, of course, in that the bad luck of being in the Southwest Division in an up year for South Park and Thomas Jefferson. Greensburg-Salem, third place, three points behind Norwin. Uh, for the final playoff spot in the Northeast, and four points off of the Bishop McCourt Crushers and a game in hand on them. No one, of course, a game in hand on Bishop McCourt down by a point. So 10-2 and 1 are the Crushers, and 10-2 and are the, the Knights after a comeback from behind victory over uh, Blackhawk on Monday night. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us this evening. My name is Brian Mitchell. This was the PhD Podcast. I will see you in the rink. Take care, guys.